Hi, I'm Dan Krinas, host of the Leader of Learning podcast, a part of the Education Podcast Network, just like the show you're listening to now. Shows on the network are individually owned and opinions expressed may not reflect others. Find other interesting education podcasts at edupodcastnetwork.com. And welcome to another episode of My EdTech Life. It is an honor and a pleasure to be here with you today. As always, you know, it, it sometimes this week has been amazing. You know, previous weeks have been amazing. So, you know, we've been live on Wednesdays, Thursdays, you know, Saturdays and so on. But thank you so much for those of you that are joining us today, um, you know, here watching us live. Please make sure you drop your, you know, information in the comments. Let us know where you're joining from. But I'm really excited that you're here. And as always, thank you so much for your support. And today we have an amazing guest. We have an amazing show where we're going to talk something that I myself am a big advocate for. And I'm just a big fan of STEAM and, you know, all this hands-on science, technology, engineering, mathematics. And today we have a wonderful guest who has a high level of expertise and is definitely advocating for STEAM education in schools, and he's doing some tremendous work. And we have today Mr. Stevie, uh, Steve, Stevenson DeMorsey. So Stevenson, how are you this morning? Thank you so much for joining us. Hi, Fonz. Hi, everyone. Thank you for having me. Um, it's pretty much an honor to be here with your PLF, um, personal learning family, and uh, my ed tech. I really like the advocacy that you are doing. So I'm excited to do this. Thank you so much, Stevenson. I appreciate you so much. So before we get started, you know, with the, the the conversation and everything, Stevenson, if you can introduce yourself to our audience members, there may be some audience members that are watching to, uh, today or are going to be re uh, listening to the show later on that may not be familiar with your work. So if you could just give us a brief introduction and share a little bit about your context in education. Touche. So, uh, I am the CEO of Steam Ed Drones. You guys can check us out at steameddrones.com. For the past four or five years of my life, I've been pretty much focused on just launching this drone platform, um, COVID given, in terms of just enhancing what our adolescents, what our young scholars go through, how they frame their understanding of their future career development, how they feel about their confidence um, tackling those skills. So I've been pretty much just dedicated towards developing science, technology, engineering, arts, and mathematics. My degree is in mathematics with a certification in education. Pretty much worked the last 10 years of my life as either a teacher or a program developer for literally every program from race cars to drones to robotics. Um, now we're taking in thinking about, hey, we have seen what every century looked like. We have imagined what the 21st century looks like now that we're living in it. Um, how do we pave the way forward? We see the Wright brothers, we see Katherine Johnson got us into space, got us into air, got us into orbit. But what is next for us as a society? What is the 31st century? So that is where my focus has been for the last few career, um, years of my career. Man, you know what? That is wonderful. You are the first person that is already looking forward. And I hadn't even heard anybody talk about the 31st century, and you're already that far ahead. So that really excites me about this conversation that you have that vision and into the future and working with what you have now and what you're seeing to develop those skills. I know we always say, you know, we got to develop 21st century skills. It's like, 
all right, we're well into it. Let's start working a little bit further ahead. So that really excites me. So thank you, Stevenson, for the work that you're doing. And as we're going through the show, I am putting up uh, the show, uh, the links for the webpage. I'm putting on your Twitter contact too as well. And of course, that'll all be in the show notes. But let's go ahead and get started here with my favorite part of these conversations. And Stevenson, as you know, a lot of people that I invite on the show that get to be a guest are people that I look up to because in some way, shape or form, you know, we are aligned as far as our beliefs and practice and education and, uh, you know, things of that sort. But I always love to hear the origin story. Where did Stevenson DeMorsey get this passion for education? So if you can take us way back to what helped you and transformed you to get into this field and, you know, fan that flame for the work you're currently doing. Touche. Um, I am going to take us to Robert Bob Moses, civil rights activist, mentality way of thinking there for this origin story. And Fonz, you're the man. I appreciate you as much. Um, so for me, I'm from Haiti. So I literally came here when I was six, literally went through ELL, ESL, that is first language learners, um, went through special education. I literally have to see things like three to five different ways for it to be a crystal clear vision for me. Um, and then leaving out of special ed, going into gen ed, going to honors, going to advanced placement. That was all throughout, you know, middle school to high school. Um, so for me, I literally got to see one, what every learner had to go through based on their learning category. Two, I got to see how they were treated um, based on their learning category. So for example, when I was in ESL or special education, I didn't get to go on as many field trips or et cetera. But when I'm in honors advanced placement, I'm at biomedical symposiums. I'm at National um, Society National Society of Black Engineer conferences. So it was just a lot of, you know, gaps or disparities between the two groups, if you're thinking of a spectrum there. So when I went to college, I started studying engineering. Um, and I remember sitting in a kept in a physics class and the professor was, um, you know, I was having a hard time because I really did not care. <laughs> um, in terms of you can't talk to me about speed and et cetera and not have me do an engagement activity to get to understanding that concept. So while I was excellent in labs, when it came to just the pure sitting down, doing the work, I just felt like I was like not within my calling there. And one of the professors kind of guided me and said, hey, this is not where you're going to get to be of service. This is not where you're going to feel fulfilled. Um, and so I took that to heart and realized like my passion was truly in education. I had been tutoring since literally the age of 15. Um, literally mentoring since the age of, you know, that young age. And so once he guided me towards that, I was able to follow one of my mentors, Troy Smith, um, similar career path. He was an educator, mathematics. So I decided to follow that career path as well. Um, went and got my BA in mathematics and my certification in teaching. When I left out of college in 2013, I literally started a um, charter school, um, founding teacher out of charter school, creating the pre-algebra and the algebra curriculum, as well as the robotics, went into public sector, created race car programs for several schools, created a robotics program, created drone programs. Um, and so that's been literally my passion. I found that, you know, I'm very passionate about mathematics, so it's enjoyable for me to be competitive in it. And even if I am at the bottom of the total pole crying, Thank you, you know, abstract algebra. I still remember the tears. I enjoyed being there, even, you know, whether I was successful or not successful. I enjoyed the process, but that's not the same for every adolescent. And so for me, it was very critical to take a look and see and say to myself, what drives engagement? 
what drove me to stay in school, to stay motivated, to want to be above and beyond? And how do I take that and create a bigger platform where young scholars can come and see the fruits of their labor automatically, make these connections automatically? And for me, the STEM, more specifically STEAM, because art is the voice that we use to explain and to fill everything out. So for me, the STEAM platform was just imperative and launching something that's sustainable. Wow. That is amazing. You know, just, you know, and, and this is why I love asking these questions because oftentimes, you know, people will be familiar with your work, see what you're doing, but they may not hear where that passion and where that drive comes from. So obviously it's from your experiences, you know, and, and, you know, coming in, like you said, youth learning language and so on and so forth. And then of course, moving up into university and pivoting into something else that maybe you didn't have in mind, but now you know, you always had that heart. I would, I want to say that you probably always had that heart of a teacher, as you explained earlier, that you were always mentoring, even at an early age, you know, and you were, you know, helping others because you saw that value. And just in the same way that maybe somebody helped you, you're helping them. And now through the power of STEAM, it, you are continuing, you know, that education and helping a lot of young, young minds that are out there to grasp this concept, to continue to learn and to continue to uh, develop their language, develop skills. And most importantly, like you said, too, those skills that will be needed in the 31st century. So I love that. So talk to us a little bit more now that you kind of gave us the backstory. So you're going into the classroom now. And what were some of the first obstacles that you kind of ran into as you wanted to kind of get these programs started? And the reason I ask that is because Oftentimes, although this may not be programs that are heavily pushed in districts, there's oftentimes pockets of innovative teachers that like to kind of take things to the edge a little bit. In other words, we have our sandbox and we kick up sand and we do things and, and still teach the, the content, but we kind of like to do things a little bit different. So mm -hmm. where did that start for you? Um, <laughs> So I say a particular experience, my first year at a, once I left the charter school, after building everything, I had no idea how I would leave being a big fish in a small pond to be a, still a big fish in a very big pond, but not having the same level of microscopes on me. So I had to figure out, you know, how was I going to be excellent in a bigger playing field there in Jersey City Public Schools with Lisa Santiago Veloz and Troy Smith there, um, who were people who definitely believed in me and wanted to see the excellent that I brought to myself to, you know, the group of scholars that they had there. And so for me, it was a very big responsibility. So once I got inside the classroom, they had asked me to, you know, share some of my pedagogy with my fellow peers, um, with my fellow colleagues. And so that was a gateway. Another gateway for me is we had brought this program called Teach to One that was it is not working, but no one can say it is not working and stop it because everything is already paid for. So it is not working and we have to figure out a way to make it work. Um, and there was a particular situation in which everything was down. And so I had to come up with something that was pretty much in my repertoire already. So I brought out a bunch of race cars, drones, and et cetera, set up a course, literally just a NASCAR race car course, just longitudinally. Um, and have the students fly or drive the cars um, back and forth, record the trial numbers with the time. 
use that to graph it, use that to find the, um, you know, slope, use that to find a point slope form, use that to find the slope intercept form. So it just became very engaged. I got like, you know, a hundred percent participation because one, everyone wants to either fly the drone or fly the race car. Two, you know, hey, if I want to fly the drone, fly the race car, there's a certain way I have to carry myself inside the classroom that shows responsibility and consideration. And three, the work that goes into um, why am I flying the car? I want to do that because I want to know how I fare um, as a student against their peers or how they can improve or what they're actually looking at. So um, having that 100% engagement versus this program that we paid a lot of money for that's not working for me, it was just very telling. And I knew I had to spend, don't know how long it will take, but I knew I had to spend, you know, a good few years of my life just dedicated to bringing that engagement and bringing that openness. That's great. Now, I want to talk a little bit about that because you hit on several topics that really resonate with me, you know, kind of being a, a DIY teacher in the sense of, okay, you're giving me something that I know is not working and it's not engaging students. So how can we spice this up? How can we add some zest to this to really engage students? But before we get into that, you mentioned something very important too: the, the way that you carry yourself within a classroom, being a student and how you are exhibiting some level of responsibility. So really, you know, as part of STEAM community and building community and building relationships, uh, like my friend Josh Tovar always likes to say, it, it's connections before content. That definitely seems to be very important. So can you, before we get into the, the more into the STEM, how important was it for you to establish that community within your classroom to have a successful program like you had that, that year? Touche. I would say like, you know, during my critical teaching years, um, our first month together, I don't even care about the grades. Like I don't even care about the grades. It is literally about setting expectation, setting, Hey, what does success look like for me? What does success look like for you? And bringing these young learners out of their shelves and bring them you know, into a place that is comfortable. So you think about mathematics, which is particularly my discipline and everyone will, every other person you meet will guarantee tell you the same level of feeling about mathematics. Um, and a lot of the times I find that a lot of people are trying to be correct. Um, a lot of times, a lot of people are trying to, um, you know, if this doesn't come to you automatically, then you somehow go into an inner shelter that makes you feel like you're not worthy or you're unworthy. And all those are the furthest thing from what we are trying to accomplish. So you think about, oh, I hate using this man as an analogy. You think about Einstein and everything that he had to go through, um, both the positives and the negatives. It was nothing but trial and error and highly, you know, deducted reasoning that went into constantly chipping at something until you got to the final product. So I wanted to bring that environment into the classroom and say, hey, Yes, you're not great at this right now. I don't expect anyone here to be great at this right now. Otherwise, we would, you know, not be here. So, what does it look like to come out your shelf to, to your shell to have engaging dialogues with your peer to share your intelligence with your peer? Not share your correctness with your peer, but share your intelligence with your peer. Meaning, how do you think? Um, how do you process things? What skill sets do you have? Because clearly, someone can get like you know, ninety-eight percent of a problem correct. And you can only have 2% of the problem correct. But once that dialogue hits, your 2% is, you know, what they needed for 100%. And then 98 is what you needed for your 100%. Um, so just creating that environment in which 
everyone feels very comfortable to share what's happening in their head. And then we continually edit and know it's okay to make those edits. You know, and one thing that I love there is also like you mentioned it, that it's okay to fail and it's okay to see, because I mean, to me, I, one of my friends always said, it's like, you know, failure, they're just stepping stones to success. So, you know, what one person may be find as a failure, that next step, you know, different iteration, rethinking the process, redesigning can take you to that next level. And that's very important in community. And I love, you know, this analogy that you said at the end, or this example, the the 98% and the 2%. And that's something that's very important. And honestly, I, at least very sporadically seen or very sparsely seen within classroom community where you have the teacher being the sage on the stage and not really the guide on the side. And for myself in my practice, when I moved to elementary education for the last uh, probably eight years, you know, doing elementary education, I loved just being that guide on the side and seeing the students take that ownership. And of course, the community aspect is so, so important. And like I mentioned to you, what kind of little, uh, the pre warm up chat that we had is just really learning from the students is really also what helped me hone in my skills and seeing maybe some of the errors that I made in, in the practice or delivery, but then having them say, Hey, Mr. Mendoza, you know what, I, I found an easier way of doing this, or I found a, you know, maybe try, let's try it this way. And that just really amazed me, you know, learning as much from my students as they would learn from me. And that's definitely something that's very important. So thank you for sharing your experience in that, because I always like to, to bring that up on how important a community is. So now you've established your community. Now, you know, like you mentioned, you developed this program kind of, or using kind of that framework of this program that wasn't working and kind of tweaking it, making some edits and, you know, making it your, your own, I guess, in that sense to engage students. So how does somebody, you know, come up with something like that? I mean, you said it was just a lot of trial and error. I know you did have a big math background. But can you explain to some, you know, to some degree, there might be some teachers out there that might have a little bit of trouble ideating, you know, how to take maybe a lesson or a program that they're given, kind of tweak it a little bit. What, what are some, uh, what's some advice that you would share with them? Um, so personally for me, clearly, um, I had a bunch of unofficial skills. I played video games my whole life. Um, <laughs> that has been a tremendous asset. Um, funny enough, because literally every, like you take your cell phone to control the pretty much drone there. So I, I have a video game background. Um, I took robotics, uh, when I was in high school, uh, I've done a ton of math. So for me, it was literally about how can I possibly take all these random skill sets that I have, um, put them into something that is concrete and easy to follow in a sense um easy in a sense that hey we know what success looks like easy in a sense that we have the resources um so for me it was literally say hey 1080 education has the best competition when it comes to small learning environments U.S. First Robotics has the best competition when it comes to whole group collaboration. I specialize in day-to-day -day and then at the end, a big sort of showcase. And then we look at the National Society of Black Engineers that does an excellent job at monitoring and tracking students throughout 
you know, their progress. So for me, it was literally taking the best bits of all those things that had been critical for me that I'm throwing into a drone classroom there. This is before my own company was thrown into a drone classroom there where I'm learning how to build drones. I'm literally soldering. I'm literally programming. I'm literally doing all these things. Um, and it is trial and error. That is the beauty of engineering. You get to tweak things. You get to learn that how the inside works. And that way I'm able to reverse engineer and say, Hey, these are the easy components. These are the hard components. This is what we can scaffold for middle school to high school versus elementary school. Um, so for me, it was just creating a good jigsaw. Nice. I love that. So let's talk about your company, like you said, but before we do that, you were you already, you know, introducing drone technology within the classroom before you you formed uh, Steamed Drones? Yes. Before I went into Steamed Drones, I was working with the Jersey City Public Schools and this literally the granddaddy of drone company, um, literally the first in the state, uh, NJ Drone Academy. Um, and, you know, that man did a lot of work to get us thinking about the 21st or 31st century there rather. Um, but his mentality was more of an engineer. The man spoke like 60 words a second. So, um, it's very hard for, if you don't have his background, it's a little hard for you to learn how to do the application aspect. And so, um, when I fully join the group of cohort that was there for the first round, uh, I realized like, you know, I was excelling. Nothing was really like, you know, nothing was really challenging. It's not that, you know, I wasn't learning things, but nothing was really challenging because it literally felt like I was, I had the toolkits or like, you know, already for this. Um, so it was easy for me. I had my backgrounds. I had my prerequisites, we'll call it in the classroom. But it wasn't the same for the other educators. Um, a lot of them just fell to the wayside. Most people just ended up on a simulator and just stayed in the metaverse. It wasn't really, we have five generations in the workforce, right? You can't just stay in the metaverse. You kind of have to be active and going. So for me, I realized I had this particular skill set. Um, I saw everything that needed to be tweaked. Um, I saw how to take this and not make it just a building engineering thing but make it something tangible for the education system to be able to validate. So we're adding the mathematics aspect. So now you can literally use this to validate and say, hey, this is improving our mathematics test scores. We take that same thing. We have, 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 have to teach technology literacy. That is website building, flyer creations, et cetera, all those things. So I made sure I added that into um, the curriculum and clearly research is the biggest things. All grants are pretty much based on research. Um, so we added that into the curriculum as well, making sure we know what first responders were doing, what the future job market look like. Oh, one thing that I love that you said is you took something that was already out there and you simplified it. And oftentimes what I think is that there are so many great products that are out there. And, and obviously a lot of people, they see the value in STEAM and STEM, but oftentimes, you know, the, the companies may not take into account, you know, teachers, we learn very differently, you know, where somebody may not, they don't have a teaching background. They don't have that specific skill set of taking something that's complex and breaking it down to present it to teachers in a fairly easy streamlined way. It kind of makes it, you know, very difficult. So I love what you said that you have a specific skill set. You had your experience in the classroom. You had your experience through college. And then now you took this vision 
And then you created something in, you know, of your own. And now, I mean, you're doing some amazing work. So uh, let's talk a little bit about that work that you're currently doing. I know for, for STEAM, you know, hands-on learning is something that is very, very important. And some people, though, may still be a little wary of adding the drone component into a STEAM uh, program. Can you tell us a little bit about how maybe just to either overcome that fear or just don't see, not to see that as a barrier to entry into a STEM program? Touche. Franz, I like how you phrase that. I will say fear is a very good thing. Fear is a very beautiful, beautiful thing. You have to know when to stop. So I say I hate using Einstein because you have to know when to stop. <laughs> like you really have to know when to stop. So um, when it comes to drone technology, Clearly what we have seen since like past 150 years has been all warfare. So we know they are excellent at warfare. Everyone has that. We know they are excellent for spying on people. We know they are excellent for doing some terrible things. However, deal with that fear. It is an actual real fear. On the other hand of that spectrum, Everything, you know, yang and yang, everything that has a dark side has a light side. Everything that has a light side has a dark side. We're creating drone defibrillators. Um, a kid could be out playing football, you know, three miles from the hospital. Am I going to say we're in New York City? Am I going to send a ambulance and stop through traffic several times to get that? Or am I going to send a drone out? We're talking about future careers there. We have drones. They can go inside of buildings um, to do to survey and see what's happening inside the building. So that way we're not sending firefighters out on rescue missions when we can automatically look to see who's and in, what's inside the building and create a pathway there for them to go inside safely. Um, a lot of these guys are volunteers. So taking their safety is, is, is top notch. We have the police captains and et cetera there. How are we using the drones to, uh, you know, deal with active shooter engagements, um, environments or situations and getting practice for that. How are we using drones for agriculture? Um, so it's a lot of it is about creation. All of it is already happening right now. Keep your fear, but understand that we have to take this thing that was used for, um, we'll, we'll reserve our opinions on how we felt about what it was used for, but how do we continue to grow it out here? How do we create systems and jobs and employment opportunities and literally the 31st century, whether you're using passenger drones or a few other drone applications there. You know, and I love everything that you stated because it really brings that public awareness to drone technology and, you know, it being an com important component to STEAM. I mean, we can't just, you know, uh, as educators, sometimes we can be gatekeepers of a lot of things that are out there. And again, it could be that we are gatekeeping because of that fear of using the new tech. But I love the way that you said that, you know, fear is good. Fear, you know, you, you get over that and you get over that hump and then you kind of see the plus side, the upside. And so I love that, you know, in your, your answer that you are making the public aware of the importance of drone technology. And you gave very great examples of how this technology can help, you know, support us as a society. And of course, you know, help us in times of need, you know, certain dangers that may happen where now you can easily just fly in in an FPV and either deliver something or, you know, scope out a situation, maybe something going on in schools for security measures, but also 
the learning component is something important, you know, creating those jobs and that skill set that, you know, like you said, going back to the 31st century. And that's something that's so important. Now, I wanted to ask you, too, as we kind of start slowly wrapping up uh, the show, in your vision that you have for drone technology, what is currently your personal goal or your personal vision through your company? as far as drone technology, where do you want to take this next? So Shay, so I kind of want to follow a similar career path to you there. Um, clearly you have a platform, you bring in us activists here, and we are all moving the needle forward in terms of this theme and how to utilize it to better the society that we're in. How do we use it to motivate the young scholars that are coming up? We know pretty much right now the metaverse is being developed, developed and finding more applications for. So how do we ensure that, you know, um, that we are technically training um, and technically getting our current society prepared for the 31st century? So for me, what that looks like is one, creating more advocates, bringing advocates into the platform to talk about how we relate STEAM to drones and why we are tackling drones so much. and we, we all clearly see all these companies working and editing their crafts. We see everyone from Amazon trying to, you know, make the drones work, um, trying to figure out what the airspace looked like. We have a whole FAA, which is a whole organization that deals with the air traffic. Um, but our air traffic is still only utilized by like jets and planes and pretty much, right? Um, there's a lot of room for growth there, especially at different levels of, you know, altitude there. Um, so. We have, we have so much free space. Um, so for me, it would be about utilizing platforms that, you know, leads to the development. So we take steam at drones. Now that we have the course in our hands, we have how things are developing, how things are working. How do I use that to create a drone defibrillator? How do I use that to create a passenger drone? How do I use that to create the next video for two chains, if you want, um, but it's more so how do I utilize the technology, the cameras that are inside of these guys? Um, clearly, that's big for Hollywood. It's also great for first responders. So I just want to see a lot more of these guys being utilized by different fire departments, different police stations, different schools, um, hospitals. Uh, so for me, it's it's a little bit of getting our needle moving a little quicker. Excellent. Well, great. Now, Stevenson, please let us know a lot, of, a little bit more about your company and what you are offering. I know I have been sharing uh, the company link, and of course, that'll be on the show notes as well. But tell us a little bit of your offerings that you have for the education sector and, you know, what a district can look forward to in obtaining, you know, e- you know, one of these packages that you offer. Um, touche. So, for example, uh, this school in LAUSD, we use the drones inside the classroom. Um, with Trenton, we do summer programs. With Schenectady, it's after school. So you're able to um, connect these drones in different ways to your curriculum. You can either make it a highlight, say one day a week we're going to do this, or we're going to do this in micro doses, or we'll just do a full-on program to get us through. Roughly, you're looking at six to 10 weeks worth of activity based on learning capabilities. So what we offer is the drone that comes with a workbook 
that comes with um, development. So one of the things, so all three of those together form the package of what you will be doing. So you think about it as 30%, 33% drone, 33% workbook, and just 33% living in a metaverse that is creating your research, your websites, or et cetera, all of that, that goes in it, your first responder stuff that goes in it. So that is what you're expecting. Of course, professional development is included. Um, a big no-no for me in my earlier career, especially when I was, you know, in US First Robotics and I had to spend literally X amount of hours in the school teaching days, that's up to seven to three. And then from literally three to 10, you're out there welding, you're out there doing a bunch of technical things that literally just takes away from your home life and your family life. And um, it's not very healthy. It's very great, but it's not very healthy for the individual managing all of this. So we take all of that into consideration and just pretty much cut the legwork in terms of having to spend all those additional hours and really just focus on that engagement and that exploratory first step, important first step. Excellent. Well, that sounds like a great, great program. And I have been looking through your website and just seeing your offerings and the testimonials. And, you know, it, this really, to me, what excites me about this, Stevenson, is just where this is coming from and uh, having the opportunity to meet with you today and have this conversation really, you know, the vision that you had. But really, it seems like there's a lot of heart in it. And that's what I love about projects like this. This is what I love about educators such as yourself, that that passion-driven, coming from the heart, building up on those past experiences, those learning experiences, and trying to make things better. And one thing that I love that you said that I'll reiterate is being one of those leaders that is moving that needle forward in STEAM altogether and, you know, specifically in drone technology. But, you know, this is something that we definitely need more of and we definitely need to have more uh, leaders such as yourself just to continue to, you know, keep pushing that needle forward and getting ready for those 31st century skills. So thank you, Stevenson, for the work that you're doing. I really appreciate you very much because educators like myself can definitely benefit from what you are doing. So thank you. Now, before we wrap up, I always love to end with the following three questions, Stevenson. So I don't know if this might catch you a little bit off guard or not, but it's just a way to kind of, you know, end the show on a lighter note. But well, maybe not this first question on a lighter note, because this is a question that I love to ask all my guests, you know, currently in the state of education. And we all know that the state of it, the, the landscape, the education landscape has changed. If you're familiar with kryptonite, kryptonite is what weakens Superman, you know, and takes kind of his powers away or just kind of makes him weak in the knees or just something that's overwhelming. In the current state of education, what would you say is your edu kryptonite? That's a tough question. Right? That's a tough question. What is my edu kryptonite? Um, I'd say if we take a look at my background, literally going through all my learning levels, um, we take the fact that I am so, so, so in love with STEAM. I think the one thing, and I'm a millennial, so I literally saw the internet being created, cell phones, laptops, dial-up, uh, things people don't know about. Um, so for me, I grew up outside playing, but I also know about video games. So for me, my tonight would be literally a one level of one tier way of thinking and doing things. Don't leave me stuck in a textbook. Don't leave me stuck in a cyberspace. Don't leave me stuck listening to a lecture. Find a way to take a, a micro dose of all of those and create a full learning environment 
Um, so for me, it would literally be just the one way mindset. Someone can talk to you about steam, but then they say, Hey, uh, let's focus on our mathematics. That's not steam. That's mathematics. Um, I like to explain it as the Power Rangers. Each Power Ranger has a Megazord, but then they have a Super Megazord. Um, so your one Megazord is not the Super Megazord. There's a big difference there. There's a tremendous difference there. So for me and my Azure Crypt tonight is just the lack of understanding of the cross-curricular, which I believe you tapped on a lot in our previous conversations. So um, yes, it's just not being able to do that cross-curricular integration. That is for me, it's, it's that's, yeah. Excellent. All right. Well, we're going to kind of interject a little bit here. I know we said we we're going to have three last questions, but there's a question that just came in from John Woodward, who is joining us on YouTube. And here's his question. So we can break this down. Uh, Stevenson, it says, what are some of the keys to getting a STEAM initiative started on a campus? So let's start with that one first. Um, so John, people first. So find $50 somewhere. Order a few domino boxes of pizza. Say, hey, we're having a conversation about Steam, this pizza. Uh, get your community there. Everyone starts talking. Everyone figure out what resources we have. Next, find a very cheap resource just to get a first activity started. So let me give you a free cheap resource there. Um, we don't even have CDs anymore, so we can't make a CD race car. So make a pick. <laughs> Go to steamaddrones.com. On the first link there, you'll see a free lesson plan. It is a paper plane, airplane activity that focuses on steam. Build the paper airplane, do that activity, learn that, um, you know, review the concepts that goes into it, that is your graphing, your et cetera. And then you should have a community with an interest who are all dedicated. And then we can go from there, give, create flyers, give every person like three flyers, say, hey, give one to this food vendor, tell them this is what we're doing. We need some food um, to blah, blah, blah. Give one to someone with a lot of capital. So, hey, now we're fundraising and getting things through um, to bring one to someone in office there to come in and speak to you. You never know what resources they have for you. So those are the ways that I usually built my platforms um, and they all have worked out pretty excellent people. All right, now let's go to part two of John's question. It says, as part of that initiative, how can we get more diverse populations involved? You know, minorities, girls, et cetera. Touche. Uh, for that, please log on to Steam at Drones, the Instagram uh, version. We have a document getting girls into Steam, and the same concept applies for minorities. Clearly, technically, historically, both those groups have been shunned out of the competitive landmark when it comes to the science technology, engineering, mathematics. The art is the only thing that young ladies know from kindergarten that they will be excellent in. It is also the main advocacy for the Black population. You look at where we are, the Black population is shining. That is sports, that is music, that is, you know, et cetera. So when we take a look at that, we really have to look at things from an art perspective. So. Now we have our drones, they have a camera. So how am I creating videos? How am I creating promotional materials? How am I taking pictures and editing those pictures? So it literally just starts with knowing, hey, this is where my population excels at, and this is the voice that I'm going to use to grab them into the other aspects. 
Great, great answers. Thank you so much, Stevenson. And thank you so much also, John, for uh, sharing that question. That was very important. So thank you so much. Now, let's go back now to the last two questions as we kind of wrap up. Stevenson, if you could have a billboard with anything on it, what would it be and why? Uh, so one, clearly my company logo, <laughs> um, <laughs> Speedway Jones. Under it, um, I have the saying that I always say, um, this is called stop putting limits and reach. Um, and that would literally just be the caption, stop putting limits and reach. Um, for me, literally, it has been one of those, it's best said in a, it's best said as I can't, but God will. That is essentially what it means. I can't, but God will. There has been a lot of times in my career, a lot of times in my youth where um, certain gaps were there for me and I did not see personally how I was going to get through them. I did not see personally the skill set that I had to get through them. But in persevering, pushing forward, um, God has always provided the resources that I can. So um, for me, it has always been about whether I was in special ed, ELL, honors, advanced placement, whether I went to do amazing things to bring other people out of those environments. For me, it's always been stop putting limits on thyself and just reach for your highest potential. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that because I know that's something that's very personal too, but thank you for sharing that with the world. And I think honestly, that would be an amazing billboard for anybody. Stop putting limits and reach because oftentimes that imposter syndrome kicks in and we just kind of start doubting ourselves, but you know, we just got to keep moving forward and reaching. All right, last question. But before I ask this, I just want to go ahead and give a shout out also to Josh Tovar, uh, principal extraordinaire also that's joining us uh, here from Texas. So thank you, Josh, for joining us this morning. And the last question here, Stevenson, for you is, if this was the Stevenson DeMorsey podcast and I was a guest on your show, what would be one question you'd like to ask me? So, Shay, so clearly you have a, an extensive elementary experience. You have an extensive education experience. Um, you're out here in the field and showing pretty much for, for, for millennials, how do we incorporate tech um, and et cetera into the classroom? Um, also, you're clearly here creating a platform to advocate for the needle moving forward in terms of the steam and STEM platform in there. So I'm just going to ask strictly, what keeps you motivated and keeps you going? Okay. So honestly, you know, for me, it, and I'm always going to say this, and people have already probably tired of hearing the story, but I always say, I never wanted to be a teacher. I was going to go into business school and I was going to go make a lot of money. You know, I worked in marketing. I loved it. You know, there was one of those fork in the road moments that I had to switch careers, make a pivot due to some of my dad's health issues. So I needed to be made more available. And so I fell into teaching and I absolutely fell in love with everything about teaching. And those marketing skills really helped me in personalized learning because I had 30 customers that I had to teach the same thing to. So I had to sell it differently to them. And as I continue to move forward from high school to elementary, that's really where I honed in my skills. And for the same reason, maybe the same reason that you did this is because I know what I needed when I was a young kid growing up and learning English because English was not my very first language. So I had so many people help me along the way. So many seemingly 
huge roadblocks and barriers that I thought that I had that I had to reach and I had to improvise, adapt and overcome. So that passion and now kind of seeing myself, my younger self and a lot of the students that I've worked with really just in my heart of hearts was just, I want to give them the best. Like I want to give, it's almost like that parent thing where I want to give them what I never had. Well, really it's like, I want to give them those opportunities and ex expose them to the coding, you know, to the robotics, to the drones and to steam because those skills oftentimes are seen as they're siloed. Like, oh no, no, that's just science. No, 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 that's just technology. But all of the skills that you develop are cross-curricular. And my goal has always been to create a learning experience. Oftentimes people say, oh, well, I mean, there, I learned this. Okay, you learned it, but is it something that you just memorized? Whereas a learning experience, it's something that is memorable. And I believe a learning experience is something that becomes part of you that at any given time, you'll be able to reach back into that learning experience to help you with something you're currently dealing with, or maybe for your vision of the future. So for myself, it's just been that heart or having that heart of a teacher and creating those learning experiences to prepare those students. And I often said, prepare them for the 21st century. But now my vision has, because of you today, has definitely extended now into the 31st vision. It's 30, 31st century. So Amen. thank you for that. Thank you, my friend. And I appreciate the question. Stevenson, I have had a wonderful time chatting with you. And just again, you know, a leader that you are, the heart that you have, moving that needle forward. I am really excited about the work that you're doing and the work that you will continue to do. And before we sign off, if you'd like to share, please, where can our audience members, you know, get in contact with you? Where they, where can they connect with you the best? So Shay, uh, you guys can totally log on to the website, steveeddrones.com. Follow us literally on all social platforms. We are just like my EdTech life here. Make sure you connect with us however you can connect with us. And Fonz, I know you just had a birthday, so happy birthday. <laughs> Thank you, Stevenson. I appreciate it. Yes, my, my birthday was yesterday. So, uh, you know, went out. A beautiful surprise by my lovely wife and everything went out. But you know what? I like woke up early, excited about today because, you know, obviously I'm very passionate about speaking to wonderful leaders and just podcasting and just bringing, you know, again, amazing guests to our audience uh, that is out there and giving up a platform. So again, this, in addition to what happened yesterday with my birthday, this definitely makes my weekend really excited. And right now I am really pumped and just enthused about this conversation. And I, I just really want to go out there and, and start advocating a lot more and sharing a lot more about what is out there. So thank you, Stevenson. Appreciate it. And to all our audience members, uh, I want to give a shout out to Cassie Cohen, who's just joining us right now, John Woodward, um, you know, and Josh Tovar. Thank you so much for joining us live on the broadcast. I know we've had a lot more viewers uh, also. So whatever platform you are using to view the show today, thank you so much. Please don't forget to connect with Stevenson. Please make sure that you check out our website too as well at www.myedtech.life. 
check out all our previous podcast episodes where you can find educators and creators from different backgrounds for all different subjects. So please make sure that you give us a listen and also make sure you check out our merch. We have a couple of shirts, shirt designs out there, and maybe the shirt may not be your thing. Well, you can buy us a cup of coffee so we can keep the creativity flowing and going. So you can go ahead and click on those links. And if you'd like to go ahead and buy us a cup of coffee, we definitely appreciate that. And as always, my friends, thank you so much for making this part of your Saturday morning, wherever in the world you may be, whether you're eating breakfast or having a late dinner or an early lunch, wherever in the globe. Thank you so much for making us part of your Saturday. And until next time, my friends, don't forget, stay techie.